Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus on the ongoing concerns and constraints surrounding global supply chain. We will break down how this all came to be, what the near-term impacts might consist of, the path forward for resolution, and more. Uh, Joining me here for the conversation today, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Adam Shiner, Industrials and Materials. Analyst Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Adam, good morning to you. Welcome back and looking forward to our conversation today. Thanks. Good morning to you as well. So, Adam, as many of us know, supply chain stress, that has been and really continues to be a concern for a wide range of industries, sectors. Maybe to take a step back to set the table for the conversation, Adam, can you speak to how this all came to be, how we got to where we are today with these supply chain concerns? I think if you look back, the seeds for the current supply chain issues were really sown back over a year ago. As, as we emerged rapidly from the lockdown, we saw from COVID-19 last spring, uh, the supply chain just wasn't ready for the surge in demand uh, coming out of that pandemic. As we had really a nearly entire shutdown of the global manufacturing um, across the world due to the pandemic, last spring. So things have really been running hard to catch up since as far as manufacturing just didn't come back quick enough to keep up with the the surge in demand. Now, this has also been compounded by a few other things. First, lockdowns have have caused a shift to more things and, and hard goods versus services. As people really couldn't go out as much, this caused a much higher demand for manufacturing and the shipping supply chain that really just wasn't prepared for the big influx of demand that has really been unprecedented. So now we're short uh, in the supply chain from um, with almost everything now, with labor, trucks, shipping containers um, being in short supply in response. Secondarily, COVID-related lockdowns have continued, especially in Asia, where we have seen some recent port closures due to COVID outbreaks. And that's exacerbated the situation. Uh, this has been further hurt by bad weather like Hurricane Ida, which really comes at a bad time for the supply chain and just has been pushing everything further back. I would also highlight Winter Storm Uri last winter down in Texas also played a big part in hurting production uh, in, in important areas such as chemicals uh, that was very, uh, very much in short supply. And then finally, an outsourcing of the supply chain really over the last 20, 30 years to, to countries far away, like we've seen with semiconductors, has also really kind of, you know, set us up for, for a stress supply chain uh, that can't handle shocks uh, like this. And that's why we're seeing it reshoring and the Biden administration that is trying to give incentives uh, to companies in the U.S. to further protect the supply chain at home. Well, Adam, it's interesting. It sounds like a combination of factors, as you pointed out, everything, of course, from the ongoing pandemic to extreme weather events around the world have been contributing to these issues. So maybe we can measure the impact a bit, get a bit more granular there. What have you been hearing, Adam, from company managements within your universe? As I pointed out, you do cover industrials and materials. And what are the risks here to earnings growth within these sectors? And have expectations for earnings been adjusted at all? Yeah, really what we've seen is a definite shift in tone for management over the last few weeks. Uh, earlier in the year, it was more manageable, uh, where raw material 
prices were causing price increases that companies were able to manage and offset through price increases and productivity improvements. But now it's really outright shortages where companies can't get product at any price and logistics issues are really delaying shipments overall. So now it's kind of gone into really not a cost problem alone anymore, but one of sales disruptions and overall lost sales uh, from companies as, as they've been really telegraphing recently. So I would say universally companies have dialed up uh, the complaining and highlighting the risk of supply chains that really hasn't gone through uh, through companies as far as their earnings expectations. We are seeing pre-announcements, and I expect to hear more about companies adjusting earnings as we get into earnings season in October, to hear more cautionary language around cost and sales disruption uh, in the supply chain. And that's one reason our strategy group is neutral to industrials and material sectors currently. And we really have seen uh, we've seen the disruption first, I would say, several months ago in the service sectors like transportation with the rails. But really, it's now, uh, it's now expanded to overall manufacturing. So you're seeing companies in the chemicals, paints, auto, and semiconductor-related uh, areas of industrials and materials starting to really complain and adjust numbers in, in, in the third quarter. I would say the semiconductor shortage is the postal child here of obvious, obvious shortages and has resulted in a significant cut to auto production, and that's reverberating across the industrial materials sector. I point out here, going into peak season, we have a lot of supply chain congestion. There has been a record 70 ships backed up at the California ports versus a zero-to-one normally, and and that's really quickly developing into a crisis situation that I think will lead uh, for, for a lot of companies into adjusting earnings um, as we get into the third quarter. Okay, so there's clearly impacts being felt as you outlined for us, Adam. And as you mentioned, earnings season, it is right around the corner. So to your point, I'm sure we'll be hearing even more from managements in the way of this impact. Uh, Though, how will managements offset the earnings drag as a result of these supply chain-related complications? I mean, that's a good question. I I would say in terms of near-term offsets, it's going to be very hard to virtually impossible to, to offset these unprecedented disruptions we've had uh, that we're having right now. I believe companies will run hard to try to improve productivity from here and reduce costs where they can, but it's limited with what they can do if they just can't get their product made or their product shipped in a timely manner. Now, companies could use alternate shipping methods like air freight, also find alternate sources and alternate products. Uh, for their raw for their raw materials, but I would highlight all these will involve higher cost in the near term and will be a drag on margins and earnings uh, f- for companies. I'd also expect companies that have the balance sheet capacity to ramp up share buybacks to offset their earnings drag here from the supply chain issue. So I, I think that is part of an offset here for for some companies. And I do think over time we will see companies take increasing action to improve their overall supply chain, increase capital spending so these disruptions like this can't happen again. So, of course, Adam, the question becomes, well, when does this end? Uh, What the pathway for resolution looks like? Any clarity around that and how solutions here will be achieved? Yeah, Dan, I I would like to tell you that that there's near-term clarity, but right now a near-term quick resolution is is not easy. Uh, we're con- currently entering peak season with the holidays fast approaching. 
So I think it's a tough challenge in the, in the near term to see these issues worked out. Um, I think to get out of this is, is basically the way we get out of this is just to expand the supply chain, which I had mentioned, but that will take time. And I would not be surprised to see these issues here uh, to linger well into 2022. And it's the important thing for companies and the stocks, though, to just th- see things stabilize and start turning around. And I think that would help boost, boost confidence uh, in, in getting uh, in the stocks going forward. So I think right now it's a total focus we're seeing by the industry to combat this issue, and that means more labor, more trucks, uh, more container chassis, just about everything um, in terms of combating this problem. And I think that will, will go a long way in starting to stabilize things and hopefully start turning them in the right direction as we get into to the fourth quarter. I also think with, with reopening after the Delta, uh, Delta variant surge uh, that we will see maybe more of a shift away from goods uh, into services, and that will that should also help uh, reduce the supply chain pressure uh, as as consumers do do uh, do shift their preferences here. I would say we're also seeing some uh, effort by the ports in California to uh, to expand hours uh, and and work uh, work on the weekends. So that that hopefully will uh, will start alleviating the pressure out at the ports in, in California. Uh, but bottom line, I would caution, though, we can't have any further disruptions here. Another big hurricane, another big storm or winter freeze in the south could push back any recovery here. Uh, so things just have to uh, take uh, take time to adjust. While there's no clear-cut solution near term, it sounds like steps at a minimum are being taken to get the supply chain back on track. Though what's important to keep in mind here, this might lend itself to a silver lining, Adam, uh, specific to the supply-demand dynamic. It, it doesn't sound like this is a demand issue. Yeah, I mean, silver lining is a, is a good terminology to use. Uh, what's important to remember here is that this is mainly a supply issue and not a demand issue, which is important. Companies are saying they can sell everything they can make right now. They really haven't seen a, a hit to demand. Uh, and this means when the supply chain congestion is alleviated, that we should see a rebound in sales as products are made and shipped more efficiently. And companies can make up these sales, but again, that's probably going to slip uh, into next year. And, and it should be a tailwind more in 2022. And that's the good news, and, and I think that helps lengthen the industrial cycle. There's been a lot of fears of a downturn from here, uh, from the peak levels we've seen coming out of the pandemic. And I think uh, the tailwinds here we could see in 2022 can help uh, industrials and materials from a sentiment as far as keeping things stronger for longer. Also, margins should improve uh, into next year as, as companies are increasing prices, and those price increases flow to the bottom line but also as raw material and labor pressure costs due to subside uh, with increased uh, availability. So keeping the issues in context, I think the bottom line here is U.S. manufacturing is still strong. Inventories are at historic low levels, and that should help boost demand next year as there will be a drive to replenish those inventories. So, Adam, do you see any areas to benefit from the supply chain issues longer term? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, beneficiaries here in the near term are little, if any. I think every company is exposed in some way to the supply chain. I do think in the medium to the longer term, I think it is for positive for companies that are exposed to an increase in capital expenditures that I will come to help improve these supply chains, as I noted before. I think this will increase the trend of reshoring 
uh, to the U.S. that in the area around here that we've heard companies talk so much about. And I think the hits to the supply chain from increased cost overseas, then the trade war uh, under the Trump administration, COVID, and now labor shortages should really have companies rethinking the supply chain to increase uh, in, in areas closer uh, to home and also improve the redundancy here. Uh, this could create a CapEx cycle uh, that hasn't really grown with GDP for quite a while. And we're already seeing some of that from the recent semiconductor plant announcements to be built in the U.S. So I see beneficiaries here in the medium and longer term for companies that are especially exposed here to automation and areas of new plant manufacturing that I think could see a stronger cycle of demand for their products coming out of the other end of this uh, supply chain crisis. Well, Adam, thank you very much for dropping by and shedding some light on this global supply chain story that has uh, grabbed the attention of not only industries, companies, but individuals as well. The impact is being felt far and wide, and it's interesting to hear about what's being done to correct this situation and hear about how we got to where we are today with it. So, Adam, very productive session as always. Thank you for joining Joining us, and we'll look forward to picking back up with the conversation again soon. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Adam. And again, today we've been joined by Adam Shiner, Industrials and Materials Analyst Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including a a recent blog authored by Adam, which ties right into our conversation today, No End in Sight for Supply Chain Problems. So for clients of UBS, you can contact your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of Adam's blog directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.